Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ, and it is my privilege to be able to come to you each week and to share a message from you or with you from God's Word. Uh, today I'm in a little different uh, locality. I'm working from home, and uh, anyway, uh, may sound a little bit different today, uh, but nonetheless. I am glad that I can can be with you. We have been studying the subject why I am a member of the Church of Christ, and we are on lesson nine. And um, the lesson that we have is, or at least the reason that we have for believing um, in what we believe, is that the that we believe all the Bible to be the inspired Word of God. We do believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and we don't have any creeds, we don't have any extra books or things of that nature, and that was something that we looked at uh, about three or four weeks ago. Um, and so we're, we're continuing this, this thought in why we believe all the Bible to be the inspired Word of God. And there are many things that, that we could uh, address. We have so far looked at the apostles and the other writers of the Bible. And we believe the apostles to be credible witnesses. Uh, so that is one of our reasons. Um, and the other writers as well. These are not things that, <clears throat> that they just um, wanted to write and, and to make up. These were things that they actually saw and experienced. And so when we look at, at what they saw and experienced, we see that they wrote based on those things, not based on uh, their interpretation, but on God's interpretation instead. We also see that the, the writers of the Bible were inspired of God. Uh, again, reference to the fact that they did not have anything uh, of their own accord that they were sharing. These are the things of God. Second um, Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen states very plainly that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. By faith, I believe those words to be true, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and by inspiration of no other. And the, the, the latter part of this passage, verse 17, bears reference to the fact that we need no other creed. We need no other doctrines other than what God has given us, what he has given us is capable of making us complete and that we are well equipped for the work that has been set before us. The Bible is authoritative in its expression. How often do we read, thus saith the Lord? Uh, now, there are uh, at least a couple of places throughout the scripture where someone says, thus saith the Lord, and they do not share the word of God. We're studying a little bit about that in Jeremiah uh, in one of my classes. But um, 
for the most part, whenever someone says, thus saith the Lord, they are sharing a message from God. And so the Bible is authoritative in expression. The Bible is not biased. Uh, we look at the mistakes of others, such as Noah and David and Peter and pretty much anyone else that we read of. We, we read not only of the good things that they have done, but we also read of their mistakes and their shortcomings. And, and the fact that we read of those tells us that these are, are not things written of men. Men sharing a great message such as the message of Christ, they're not going to share with you the shortcomings of the Bible heroes, so to speak. But the Bible does share with those, us those things. I've heard many say that they identify with Peter better than anyone else, and I can agree with that because we see so many of his mistakes. He's not made out to be a perfect individual, but he is made out to be faithful. And even Jesus Christ going to the cross and dying for our sins, who would ever write a story that has the main hero, the main reason for its writing, dying? And yet we find victory in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The Bible is more than a book because no man could have ever written it. And I believe this to be so. We're going to get into the, the main portion of our lesson. But before we do, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing that you've given to us. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together, for the ability that we have to study your word together. And we pray, Father, that you would bless our studies, that you would bless this opportunity, and may it help us to grow as Christians, help us to, to grow in our knowledge and understanding of your word and the things that you have shared with us. We pray, Father, that you would continue to uh, bless us throughout our lives and bless us as we go into the furtherance of this day. Pray that you would bless all of our listeners and, and bless the efforts of this program. Thank you for Jesus. It is through him we pray. Amen. All right, getting into the main portion of today's lesson, we're going to look at prophecy. We understand that uh, one of the reasons that we believe all the Bible to be the inspired word of God is because of prophecy, and in particular, prophecy fulfilled. We see so many things throughout the Bible uh, that tell us of the coming of Christ. One of the things that we have been studying in, at Mars Hill, uh, we have been looking at some bi Bible basics. And one of the things that we noticed was the theme of the Bible. A twofold theme uh, is what I presented to them. Um, there are probably uh, a couple of other things that you could look at and see basically from beginning to end a scripture. But number one, uh, we talked about the glorification of God. The whole Bible is written with the idea of glorifying God in mind. And because it is written with that intention in mind, uh, we see 
the glorification of God as the theme of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the glorification of God is the theme of the Bible. But secondarily, we have the theme of Jesus. Because no matter if you're looking at the Old Testament or whether you're looking at the New Testament, whether you're looking at before Christ's life, during Christ's life, or even after his life on earth, you are still looking at Jesus. The Old Testament scriptures point to Jesus. The, the New Testament scriptures, such as the gospel, they point to Jesus. They tell us of his life and, and his death and everything that he suffered on this earth on our behalf. And even after that, you have the letters that were written to the churches that look back to Jesus. And so Jesus is the theme of the Bible. And so we'll see that as we look at some of these prophecies. Uh, I'm just going to present the scriptures to you and we'll look at the Old Testament prophecies and what they had to say about the coming of Christ. And we'll look at, at what the New Testament scriptures tell of his coming. We begin with Christ being born of a virgin. It was prophesied that Christ would be born of a virgin. If we do not believe that Christ was born of a virgin, then basically the foundation of Christianity is shattered. This is one of the, the main scriptures, one of the, the main things that set Jesus apart from anyone else, is that he was born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 and beginning with verse 13. Isaiah 7 and verse 13. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. It was prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin. Now, there are a couple of other things that we notice here, um, such as the speaking to the house of David. Jesus was of the lineage of David, and so we see uh, his representation within the people of God by giving him uh, such a lineage. But it was prophesied that a virgin would conceive and bear a son. This is not something that can happen in the real world. It's something that you will never find. Uh, I, as much as man tries to come up with different ways of, of making things happen, We've never been able to create life from nothing. Uh, there's been effort to clone, and I don't know that, that any of that was really completely successful. Uh, but still, it wasn't bringing life from nothing. It was bringing life from life and trying to duplicate it. That's as far as man has ever been able to accomplish. There is no way that you will ever hear of anyone uh, not truthfully being born of a virgin it can't happen 
in the natural course of the world, it just cannot be. But that Jesus was born the virgin is evidence to the power of God. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Turn with me to the New Testament. If you want to stick your finger in the, the Old Testament, we're going to go back and forth. But let's turn to the New Testament for a moment, to Luke chapter 1 and verses 26 through 35. Luke 1, beginning with verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Verse 29. But when he saw him, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And as we read into Luke chapter 2, we see that these things came to pass. That not only did Mary conceive, but that she did bear a son, not by the conception of man, but by the conception of the Holy Spirit. These things are true. And again, by faith, we believe them to be true. Let's look at Christ and how he was born in Bethlehem. <clears throat> Just the fact that he was to be born in Bethlehem is something of prophecy. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are, are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. It was prophesied that the Christ child would be born in Bethlehem. A very specific prophecy, and one that, that is not general in any sense. It is given a specific 
place in which Jesus was to be born. And the fact that it is recorded that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem. We find that to be so in the New Testament. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And let's begin reading at verse 1. Matthew 2 and verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Reference directly to scripture and where the Christ child was to be born. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Christ was to be born in Bethlehem, and he was, he was sought after in Bethlehem. And we find that that this actually came to pass. Now, Herod had no intention of worshiping the Christ child. He had the intention of killing it. And instead, uh, the the plans of of Herod were, were thwarted by the power of God. But this isn't the only prophecy. There are several others. Uh, that we can look at as well. Let's look beyond Christ and look at his forerunner. The forerunner of Christ was prophesied in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. Isaiah 40 and verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway 
for our God. In Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Excuse me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. This tells of of the coming of the forerunner of Christ. There was going to be one that would come, that would prepare the way for Christ, that would prepare the people for his coming, that would bring a message to God's people, a message of repentance, bringing them back to, to God's service so that they would be prepared for the coming of the Christ. <clears throat> John chapter 1 and verses 22 and 23. John chapter 1 verses 22 and 23. Then they say to him, Who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. That was John speaking of himself in John chapter 1. Verses 22 and 23, he was speaking of the prophecy that came before, the same prophecy that we read in Isaiah, uh, of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He did that. He did prepare the way of the Lord. And so this, this reference to the voice of one crying in the wilderness is about John. In Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Mark 1, verses 1 through 7. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. John came preparing the way of the Lord. This was according to prophecy, and prophecy was fulfilled also.
we have still have several other prophecies. Um, let's look at one more, and then we'll close out our lesson for today. Christ's entry into Jerusalem was foretold. Christ's entry into Jerusalem was foretold in the Old Testament. We turn to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9 and verses 9 and 10. Zechariah 9 verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This prophecy was fulfilled in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. Matthew 21 and verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed crying, saying, or cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It was foretold that the king would not come with uh, a great um, a great multitude of people and servants, and he wasn't going to come even dressed as a king or looking like a king, but he would come in a very humble way, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was prophesied in the Old Testament, and it was fulfilled. Kings come riding on horses and in mighty power, but Jesus did not do so. And his coming in that manner was foretold. We are out of time, so we'll pick up with uh, the fifth prophecy, Jesus' betrayal next week, Lord willing. I am thankful that you joined me today, and I hope that you will join me again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. if you have the ability. Um, if you miss it, you can go online and, and find it either at tgrn.org or you can find it posted on the Mars Hill website, marshillcoc.org. 
But I thank you for joining me today. I hope that you have a blessed week. And I look forward to, Lord willing, being back with you again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Until we meet again, may God bless you. Be your Savior, wants to be saved.